Yo, this is the Ancient Texan. On a Sunday, um, about 2 p.m. Sunday's often a day of worship for people that go to church or I go to UUFN, United Unitarian, who kind of believe in love and loving people and not much more. I thought of what I'd talk about uh, in this podcast are stories about women, or more particularly the story about women that I was brought up on. First, I'll say a little bit about my mom, and you'll see how that's relevant as we go through this podcast. She was um, a, a small woman, oh, five foot one, five foot two, very quiet spoken, never raised her voice. But at the same time, she was a force of nature. I saw her once when she bought a car and she parked it mostly in the driveway and it didn't go very very often or very far. And it got a leak in the gas tank. And she took it into them and said, you know, the car is leaking gas out of the gas tank. And they said, well, it's out of warranty. And she said, you shouldn't make a car that the gas tank leaks. It doesn't matter about the warranty. It's not right that you make a car where the gas tank leaks. Well, you know, she asked to talk to the manager, and the manager gave her the same story, and she got person that was in charge of kind of regional well I walked her I watched her work work her way up through Ford manager Ford management until she was talking to the senior vice president of the whole western half of the United States some big honcho and with each person they would explain to her about the warranty and blah, 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 blah. Here are the rules. And she would say, it's not right that you're making a car that the gas tank leaks after 10 years. That was her whole argument. But it was uh, a damn powerful argument. And then they would re-explain to her all of it. But she finally got up to a high enough level. And she was so persistent in our, her discussion of the issue that it's not right that you make a car that the gas tank starts leaking in 10 years. And you should fix it. Um, and they fixed it. And I watched her... Um, in her enormously 
powerful but quiet way um, caused changes to happen around her. And I'll save this story for another time, but um, I believe I ended up with my Ph.D. in education because my mom stood up to my um, grade school principal and teachers, all-male environment, of course. And she was in there being persistent and quietly stubborn and got them to change some rules. So that's kind of an example of the mom I had at home. Uh, she was a twin, and she was... They called her the sneaky twin because the other one was outspoken and loud and my mom was quiet, kind of behind the scenes. Um, but once she got set on something, uh, it's like a force of nature. So I, I had a pretty amazing mom that had a lot of confidence in me and gave me an immense amount of confidence. And I kind of said all that to um, set up this story. I was raised in a fundamentalist religion. My mom was the force behind uh, our whole family being raised in the Church of Christ. Um, it's kind of like a Southern Baptist Starting out with a Bible story, and this is the story about women that we're going to talk about. I was raised that man, and this is not man generic, this was like man, male, man, was made in the image of God. And then a rib was taken out of him. And a woman was made to be his helpmate. Women were not allowed to speak in our church. Their purpose was to support their men. Their clothing was kind of set by the church of what they could wear and they could not wear. They could be teachers in a classroom, and their main function was to stay at home, raise the kids, be a mother. So, the religion I was raised in pretty much said that the purpose of women is to be a mother, and all that entails staying at home, cooking, cleaning, taking care of your man when he comes in. That was the way that I was raised. And then from the pulpit, I would hear about the other women, the Jezebels. These women wore short skirts, seduce men, and 
indulged in pleasure and lust. So I kind of got two views of women. There were the moms, the good women, the one you married, and then there were the harlots, the ones that you had fun with and had sex. So I grew up with a view of women that they were subservient and sexual objects. And all that springs from a story in the Bible that says God made man, male man, in the image of God. And then he took women and women and a woman and women are made from a rib of man to be his helpmate. Wow, the ramifications that that story has had on my life have been immense and not for the most part good. Um, I stayed in that programming for 31 years and got out of it when my first child, my son, was uh, actually still in the womb. And I got out of it because for a long time I didn't believe what I was being taught. Um, but I didn't quite have the courage or the strength to leave because it, my whole world was in there. My friends, my family, my wife, my future kid, they were all in that. And when you left, you got outcast and cut, cut off from the rest of the world. Um, little ironic twist. My first wife was having a relationship with a, another woman about the time my son came along, and she stayed in the church, although she, that had to be kept a secret, and I helped her keep the secret. But I went forth in life from that upbringing, um, seeing women as sex objects. And as a mother, mother of my kids, and she's supposed to stay home and take care of the kids. Now, I've intellectually got away from that story, and I understand how sexist that story is and how bad it is for myself and for women. I got it. But that programming is still inside of me. That story that I was raised on, and there are many other stories in the Bible. If you look at all the women in the Bible, they play, um, you know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, the 
possible girlfriend of Jesus. Uh -oh. You know, if, if you look at, uh, there's a few strong women like Ruth in the Bible, but they all play a very subservient role. So I was raised in that culture and in the stories of women from the Bible and stories of women that were around me in the church that were made to keep quiet. Um, they were admonished and criticized if they showed a knee. I mean, it, it was all... Um, you know, now it's kind of hard to imagine all that. But those stories become part of who you are and how you see the world. And your frontal cortex can escape from it. But your internal um, limbic system that reacts in certain situations and responds to the world around it in an instinctive manner. Um, it's pretty much stuck in the story. So you have to be able to see the stories that you were raised on and the significance of those stories and how they impact the way you see the world to have a chance of changing your own personal story and behavior. You have to understand the stories that are embedded inside of you and that impact the way you act and perceive the world. The biases they have put down inside of you. And until you can see the stories that are inside of you, the stories that you were raised on, you can't change them. You don't have a shot. They're just you're hopeless. And even after you can see them, um, it's a long, long journey to change those stories. I was telling my son that I'm about 75% of those stories are out of me and about 25% left. And it's taken me 40 years to get to where I am right now. And I'm not sure I've got enough, you know, space left on the runway that I'm going to get it all sorted out, my views about women and sex and sexuality and um, before I hit the end of the runway. So, this is just an example of the of the power of stories in our life and the way that um, people use stories either, you know, accidentally because they're just repeating the stories that were said to them or on purpose to shape your life and my life. Um, but if you start seeing... that most of your thoughts and actions and feelings actually revolve around stories in your head. 
sometimes that are there almost at an unconscious level. You have power to change your life. So I would hope that you know, every person listening to this would think about the stories and their lives and how they see the world and try to acknowledge inside themselves how much those stories have impacted the way they look and interact with the world. And then to go start writing some new stories. Anyway, this is the ancient Texan talking about the story stories I was given about women. And I'm sure your stories are different, but they're powerful and they impact you. So this is the ancient Texan hoping you may write some good stories for yourself and humanity. Have a good day. Namaste. Yo, this is the ancient Texan, an earthling, hoping we all can learn to live and play well together on this small and delicate planet we call home. May we all honor the sacred and our fellow inhabitants. Namaste.